Don't you need a coat? You'll do. Oh, no. No, I won't be seeing any men in Rio. Oh, yes, you will. Evelyn? Good evening. Glad to see you. It's kind of your bride to invite me. We both invite you, Mr. Devlin. You know, Adam, your reputation in sort of, you know, with sort of golden age cinema is, is very, very good. You know that, don't you? Do I? Thank you. Yes, I think you do. But some may call your reputation notorious. Some. <laughs> just just, no, just take no, the compliment. No, notorious, notorious. <laughs> Did you like that? I thought that was smooth. I- it was very good. I was expecting you to subvert it slightly, though, because I did see it coming as you were nearing the end of the sentence. I was expecting you to go, some call your reputation shriveled? Shriveled. <laughs> shriveled no. is not the first word I think of. Inadequate? Oh, dude. No, 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 my friend. How, how, no. Well, I, it I depends think... who you talk to, I suppose. Well, it's very possible, but I, I can't imagine... <laughs> it's not very possible! off <laughs> <laughs> i can't imagine the day ever where i to be perfectly honest to, to use the word shriveled when i'm talking to you because that just doesn't happen well you would would use it if i was podcasting naked <laughs> not again <laughs> we banned that after the brighton strangler episode <laughs> no more shrivels please no more shrivels. no more shriveled podcasting please <laughs> shriveled debris Mm. <laughs> Deary me. How oh god, I just thought <laughs> how are you, my friend? It's been a while. Yeah, I know. I'm shriveled. How are you? <laughs> non shriveled, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the age of shrivelry. <laughs> oh, listen to yep. that. He's on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm good. Ah. You alright? I am. I'm wonderful, thank you. Yes. Yeah, good. it's all good. Because obviously we haven't we haven't been speaking since this call started, so it's, no. it's nice to um it's nice to catch up with you. It is, it's lovely. Um <laughs> It's not like we ever speak at all, really, is it? Not that no. we have seven planning calls a week, thanks to um no. our beautiful administrator on the House of Family, or actual recording sessions, or just nights where we just get together and have a call yeah. and shoot the mm-hmm. shit. And or, you know, turn up fifteen minutes before this recording started and uh, catch up as well. But anyway, how are you? <laughs> You have an issue with this, don't you? <laughs> I do. It's like, why waste people's time? We don't. We don't. We know how each other is. We should ask. We should be asking people how they are. How are you, listeners? How are you, listeners? Good. Ignorant. Ignorant. That's all I can say. They're not answering back. They've had their chance. The, the response I got was very positive. I don't know what you're hearing. Mine were lovely. I hear the sound of the sea through my ear. <laughs> That's that's just you, you. You've been swimming badly. <laughs> no, I'm I'm brought, podcasting with a conch shell. <laughs> oh my anyway. word! Yeah, no, that's I fair know, enough. It's, it's, it's a reach. No, that's fair enough. And 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 here, look, I know, as you say, you know, you want to spoil the magic. We have had a chat beforehand, but after the um, <laughs> the 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 episode a few a few times ago, I think. I think our listeners would personally dislike me even more than they already do if I didn't at least bring up, because you won't do it on any of the other shows, if I didn't at least bring up the fact that you got to see Abba last night. I did. I went to see Abba Voyage last night. Yes, you did. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure, regardless of who's editing this, me or you, that uh, I'm sure a Mamma Mia soundbite will pop up at some point like you did the entire time. Mamma Mia! <laughs> on that episode. I just... I I hid so many 
ABBA yes, song titles in our conversation. Oh, yes, that did. was a great, great day of my life. That was, I thought you were you being know. really, really lovely and you were just torturing me with ABBA. I was just having the time of my love, my life. Yes, all. you were. Anyway, um, <laughs> I got a free jacket as well. Yes, you did. How awesome <laughs> is that? I know. I went a bit mad in the merchandise store. And um, yeah, racked myself, got myself into debt quite a lot. But <laughs> I thought we were only here once, and I had three other people with me, and they all wanted bits and bobs. And I was eyeing up this jacket hanging up behind the thing, and it was oh, it was an exorbitant amount. I won't say how much, uh, but it I was um, an exorbitant amount. <clears throat> yeah, and I thought to myself, well, I'm only here once, and I'm in the moment, and uh, yeah, I'm never going to wear it in public. But hey ho, let's do it. <laughs> so I asked the gentleman to fetch me the jacket, and he fetched it for me i tried it on and it was the wrong size so he got me another size and then mm-hmm. in the meantime two of my children had requested items it all got very confusing and uh i paid the money and he put everything in the bag and i walked away and i thought hmm, that should have been more money i think so we checked the receipt and uh he hadn't charged me for the jacket i didn't actually find out till i got home or i would wow. have or oh, honestly done the right thing of course and um, of course come back to the store but to be honest uh let's just say it paid for uh, some of our trips <laughs> but um, so, if any if any of you are ABBA fans by the way I have to say you need to go and see it because mm. it's incredible uh, apparently so but uh, so I mean I guess you could say that the winner does in fact indeed take it all you could I know that's a strange choice of words to use at that point in the conversation but yeah, it's not like I won it it's like the thief the thief takes it <laughs> I'm, sc- I'm sorry. Well I'm done, sorry. Well Back up. Thank well you. That's <laughs> everyone at home's applauding. You see, Everyone's this is what happens everyone. when you try. I should learn well, by now to just not try. I'm glad I got home. I got home, and I had some money, money, money left. Mia. Oh, nice. you see, right. I, I tried. I tried. I tried. Yeah, you succeeded. Uh, were you fine? Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just going to be normal, normal, well-behaved, Smokey now. And not say anything. <laughs> Too outlandish, or even try. <laughs> no, no, this no. This will be an interesting podcast. No, no, no. We, 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 have, we have much to go through, including an absolute f***ing humdinger of a film, by the way, which, um, yeah. And speaking of which, we really should address that, is that this was okay. another listener suggestion. And uh-huh. it, it was from good friend and listener of the show, uh, Camille. Uh-huh. And, which is wonderful, we do love listener suggestions around here, so, you know, if you do have any, send them on over. But... More importantly, is that both of us have and uh, Camille is nice, by the way, and we've both ended up with wonderful mm. bits of Camille's artwork, haven't we? Yeah, Camille is incredibly talented. Mm. Um, she's done artwork for several House of Hammer films and a couple of the vintage films that she's gone on to see. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. What oh, God? She's so talented. Yeah. And you've got kindly, a she's Brighton Strangler. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got a I have Celia from Hammer. You do, and that's such a great image as well i mean it's not even the image that you would think to reproduce but it's very evocative it is and i have it for i have it framed on my on my desk here while i work and while Mm -hmm. i podcast it's all i have high high hazel looking at me all the time and it's absolutely gorgeous what i'm going to do is uh, camille was very kind in sending me uh, the link to her uh, her online store for her artwork and so i'm going to stick it in the show notes for this episode because of, cool. of all her generosity and, and very very kind words towards the show as well so cool and um if you want to follow her on twitter and have a look at some of her artwork, mm. she is at cowbearcrates which is c o w b e a r c r e a 
T-E-S. Cowbear creates. Creates, yeah. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely wonderful. Again, uh, more more things to go through. But thank you, Camille. We really mm-hmm. do appreciate everything you've done. And, um, thank you very much. We should also refer back to uh, the last episode, which was Boris Fest 2022. Mm-hmm. What a fun time that was. It was. Yes. It's great to do Bozza. It was three. Great to do Bozza. Wow. Yeah, but uh, also, and to thank our wonderful guest, Zach, for, for coming on, being such a, a wonderful sport and chatting about three films, which obviously is no mean feat for him. He does that all day. So, But still, it was nice of him to do it. Yeah. Well, we, we wax lyrical about Zachy quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I think. Now everyone can see why. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and and the episode has done incredibly, incredibly well as well. Because considering how long we've been away, and it is still that episode is still getting downloaded every day. So uh, along with many of our others, but that one is is doing particularly well. Uh, I expect it to be very high up very, very soon. La- last last thing, I, well, two two more things. One, no emails, no emails this time. Okay, <clears throat> I know I know you're quite normally happy about that, <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, people have forgotten we exist. That's why. <laughs> that's true. We need to put out more shows, don't we? So we'll 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 endeavour to do that. I promise. <clears throat> okay. All right. Abare. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. One last thing before we go on to the film. Well, it's a it's a many splintered thing. Is um, you've got your next uh, edition of uh, Carry Out. That's that's out in the world now. Oh yeah. Well, nearly. It's out for patrons. Patrons. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, there's a slight hold up on the public feed. Right, yeah. Okay, no worries. But um, but then also is the fact that is that uh, House of Hammer is about to launch its Patreon as well, which we we should mention here. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, because that's yeah. going fantastically yeah. well. Yeah, we've um, we've got loads of stuff for it, haven't we? We we've been recording. We've been recording and writing yeah. and doing extra things, and so people get value for their money. So yeah, we've got like conversations and. Mm-hmm. Extra pieces and everything already for it. It's like it's launches in like two weeks, then it was a week or something. Uh, sir, ten days, ten, nine days, ten days. Yeah, it's not far off at all. A time, a time of recording, we should say. A time um, of recording. Because yeah. yeah, who who knows when this episode will get released? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, we do. I I all I know is is that I just know people are, are going to be waiting for the for the outtakes. I think that's it. Mm. Don't want to do too many of those. I and mean, we have no. we have literally hundreds of them, don't we? we? We do. We could do an outtake reel every month, and it would be a like a fifteen minute show. Yeah. And not like not just flubbing lines. Like we have entire conversations that we have to cut out because they're just not suitable, and or you know, yeah, or, or something. A lot of but, a lot um, of, yeah, a lot so of corpsing and a lot of uh, dirty words. Yeah. We've been saving them ever since we started, so we have hundreds and hundreds of outtakes. Yep. So, um, yeah, they'll they'll all be coming. Just to say quickly, if you're on my Patreon, all of the House of Hammer stuff comes there as part of your Patreon with me. Yep. So, and then there's a separate one for those of you who don't give a <laughs> just like um yeah sign up um yeah <laughs> sorry i wasn't expecting you to say that <laughs> well yeah but no exciting exciting times ahead for us all really yeah i've just noticed um in the background of your shot mm-hmm. i can see into your wardrobe because the door's open oh yeah is that a suit jacket uh no oh <laughs> 
<laughs> Look who you're asking. <laughs> it, lo- it looks like one of those jackets an admiral would wear, you know, with the gold buttons down the sleeve. Or perhaps uh, it's just the light. Oh, it's... Uh... I, th- I think I think I think it's a long sleeve T-shirt. I think I can't, oh, okay. I can't, I can't really real tell shame. from the angle. I think you'd look great as a Commodore. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, Commodore Smokey. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what. You know, ne- next time I'm down to see you, I'll I'll get one especially. Take me up the poop deck. Uh, well, you won't be shriveled then, my my boy. <laughs> yeah, we'll be afterwards. <laughs> be like a be like a slug with salt on it. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be like a a used husk. Of a man. <laughs> Love that word, husk. I'll be dry roasted. Oh, what? <laughs> Only if you ask nicely. <laughs> this is really How weird, right? I, I, I've pulled up the page for Notorious, and it's playing a trailer for Sex and the City 2. That's really weird. Don't know why it's well, done that. Well, it's basically a remake, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> I, no, I, Smokey, I it's not. <laughs> I, don't why, I, I don't know why IMDb has done that. That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I don't know what's happened to IMDb. It's gone mad. But there we go. Anyway, we are here <laughs> to talk about 1946's Notorious, dear boy. Uh-huh. So our second Hitchcock. Our second Hitchcock, yes. I think, we, I think we'll leave Hitchcock alone after this. We need to give him a bit of a break, don't we? Um, it's hard to leave Hitchcock alone. Because he is. will pop up a it lot. It is, it is. Um, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. Now, now, obviously, you're notorious for being a big Hitchcock fan, and <laughs> <laughs> Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that one. So, uh, without giving too much away of of your rating at the end, where where is this kind of heading towards in your your ranking of Hitchcock's oeuvre. Is it near the top? Is it near the bottom? Is it near the middle? Where are we Oh, looking? it's definitely definitely it's definitely top end, yeah. Definitely. Right, yeah okay. It's not my favourite Hitchcock, but it's definitely like, it's one of the ones I I love mm-hmm. more than a lot of his other work. I think it's technically perfect. I think there's not a dud acting performance in it. I think the dramatic tension and the dramatic you know conceit at the at the heart of the thing is brilliant it's a great spy film it's a great romance film yeah. and then, then it's suddenly sort of subvert everything's subverted in this film you know it's, mm. it's about a love that, that they're too proud to talk about which it's all about pride and um because they won't allow themselves to just break down and be themselves she has yeah. she finds that she's stuck with claude reigns and then it turns into an assassinationish murderish kind of oh i mean it's <laughs> it's brilliant it's a brilliant brilliant film I have mm-hmm. to say, I, I, if if someone said put a gun to my head and say pick this or Rebecca, I would always pick Rebecca. But I think that's more to do with I mean, Rebecca was a just a formative film for me. You know, it's like one of the first videos I bought, first Hitchcock's I saw, and I just remember watching the whole thing and being absolutely starstruck by it. I, I so, think um, I think that's very important important to to recognise is that the time and place and circumstances of when you watch something really mm-hmm. can have an impact. Absolutely, the way you rank. Like uh, like a like a, a director's oeuvre, should mm-hmm. I say? Yeah, it does depend. I think the first Hitchcock I ever saw was Frenzy. Believe it or not, like, I stayed Whoa. up late and watched that, and I was really repulsed by it. I remember thinking, "Well, Hitchcock's a horror director." And then I saw the Thirty Nine Steps, which could not be more different. Mm. And I remember thinking, "Wow, what an interesting guy!" And then sort of digging more out. But Rebecca, for me, was the one that just really blew me away the first time I saw it because I just thought, "Oh my god, it's so." 
uh, it's just so hypnotic to watch. And Mrs. Danvers was such a great villain, and everything about it was just—I don't know—just clicked with my sensibilities. But since then, you know, <clears throat> I've you know I've seen every Hitchcock film now that's out there. Of course. And this, I would say, notorious. I would say his actually his forties period with Selznick is probably my favourite Hitchcock period. And mm-hmm. a lot of people would say, you know, Psycho, Rear Window, The Birds, sure. all that stuff is better. But for me, I love the I love the golden ageness of the Selznick period. I've got I've got to say, mate, starting off with Frenzy is a hell of a starting point for Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally it's made me hate the word lovely as well. <laughs> well, well, yeah, good point. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I don't think I can't imagine there is a Hitchcock fan out there that would say if if someone came to them and said what should be my first Hitchcock sorry a non Hitchcock fan what who, who, who said what should be my first Hitchcock film no one no one would ever say Frenzy no and yet it's actually quite typical of Hitchcock Hitchcock's yeah. themes Hitchcock's um, style but it's just a rather extreme. Like trying to be a bit modern version, like yeah. you know, he was trying to be a bit daring. He was at the end of his career and he was really trying to prove that he still had it. So he thought, I'm going to go balls to the wall and do a really violent, horrible, creepy film just to show people that I have another psycho in me. Yeah, and um, yeah, it stands alone. Definitely, it's um... it's weird though, isn't it? I mean, <clears throat> you you could look at all of Hitchcock's output. And there, there are some instantly you would say, no, don't start with that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we say, Frenzy, Torn Curtain, Topaz, I don't say start Parody with any. Yeah, yeah I d- don't start with any of those. But there are a couple that you could say start with to get a feel of Hitchcock. Mm. And Notorious is definitely one. I'd say Rebecca yep, is Notorious definitely, is definitely one. one. Yep. I'd say Shadow yeah. of a Doubt as well. Shadow Strangers on a Train. Yeah. I would say... Um, for the more rollicking, fun side of Hitchcock, you can't really go wrong with North by Northwest slash mm. Foreign Correspondent. Both of those films are a great double bill. I was just about to say Foreign they're Correspondent. So, they're very light on their feet, and they're very, yeah. again, they represent everything that Hitchcock loved, mm. which was Man on the Run, yeah. in a situation you can't control. Yep. You know, beautiful woman appears, you know, devilish <laughs> situations occur. And there's someone who loves their mum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Notorious Notorious does not have... The, the usual Hitchcock themes. There's no man in a place he shouldn't be. There's, you know, it's 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 very much, it's kind of a gender-swapped version of the Hitchcock. It's, it's yeah. a woman who, who's in a in a situation she can't control. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's very untypical. Um, it's, a, it's a really amazing film. It's one of the ones that um, you say Notorious and everyone goes, oh, I love Notorious. Oh, yeah. I love Notorious. Oh, mm-hmm. I love Notorious. Yeah. And I would argue that there's probably a good handful of classic movie nerds out there who say this is probably their favourite film. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. top five Hitchcock for me. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that. Uh, I mean, as I said, if we're going by the same scale that I gave you um, just when we started there, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely top end. Whether it's in my top five or not, I'm going to have to think about it a little bit more. However, I will say, uh, again, with no real spoilers towards our final rating, that on this rewatch, because this is about the... I don't know. Fourth or fifth time I've watched it over the years. I don't know what it was, but today, uh, because I watched it today, um, I don't know what it was, but there was something extra that garnered an extra star from me. And I I actually, now that I think about it, I actually do think I know what it was. And we'll get to it when we we talk about the film a little bit more. And it was just something that I'd never really pinpointed on before. Uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll definitely come to that. Two thoughts I had before we, we properly dive in. One, uh, which I, I subsequently went online and a lot of other people had had the same <laughs> thought 
as I did, which was watching it and and realizing that uh, <laughs> bizarrely, Mission Impossible Two is an unofficial remake of this film. Ooh, yeah, interesting. I was watching it, going, "Hang on, John Woo and Tom Cruise have ripped off Notorious." And I went online, and lo and behold, there was a load of other people going. There are scenes in this film that they recreated for Mission Impossible 2. And I was just sort of like, oh, and, and yeah, and the plot is exactly the same. It's it's mm. about a weapon that can cause mass destruction. It's about a woman pretending to like someone she really doesn't because she's a spy. And it's and there are some scenes in this that are almost shot for shot copied in Mission Impossible 2. It's wow. bizarre. Never would have occurred to me, but yeah. No. Cool. It just right. it just suddenly hit me in the brain. And I was sort of like, "Holy crap! It, it it really is." But the other thing was, this film is the I, I you'll have to tell me. I can't remember the year, but, uh, which came first. But this is the anti Ninochka. So well, Ninochka was forty, and this is forty six. Oh, but there so, you go. So yeah. that shows it. So this this is this is whereas Ninochka starts out dark but gets lighter as it goes on. This mm. st- starts out fairly light and gets darker as it goes on. And yeah, I get it. it definitely gets darker. Yeah, yeah oh, definitely. But but you think mm. about it. So you've got the female spy. You've got that. Okay, I know that's tenuous, but you do have the female spy, and then you have mm-hmm. it where in Ninochka they. She's a she's a hard woman who softens very quickly and who wears her heart on her sleeve to the bloke she wants to be with. In this one, in, in Notorious, the the bloke is a lot harder and she is just doing her job. That's it, you know. Okay, yes, yeah, she has these feelings for Cary Grant, uh, Ingrid Bergman, and um, and but and she fights it against against it a bit more because she has these feelings, and it's. I, I, I just say, can you can you see where I'm coming from? The anti Ninochka. That's why I, I I look I at can, this and see. I can kind of see, yeah, some themes that are re- reversed in it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, we should but, probably um before we go into it, we should probably just do a quick plot recap. So absolutely, um, uh, Ingrid Bergman plays Alicia Huberman, and yep. she is the daughter of I want to say like an active Nazi, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, who is tried for his crimes and sentenced to death. No, no, he's sentenced to prison, isn't he? But he dies in prison. Yes. Anyway, she's long ago fallen out with him and um, she goes, she loses herself. She's known for being quite promiscuous and a bit of a hard drinker. Mm. And Cary Grant plays Devlin, who is a CIA agent, and he is recruited to recruit her mm-hmm. for a mission in Brazil. And she says, of course, I'm not going to help you. You're, you're a cup. Get away, cup. <laughs> um, and, he, and he says, well, um, I know that you really love this country, so what, why don't you prove it? Um, and he plays her a record, and it's a recording of an argument love that, that she had with her father because um, they bugged the house and it's basically her saying I would do anything for America and I hate you because you hate America it's, so it's her, her realisation during that scene of when mm. she hears herself saying yeah. the exact opposite of what she's just said it's oh god mm. that's beautiful the thing is she, she goes down to Rio with Devlin Alicia and Devlin go to Rio and they're awaiting their mission details because even he doesn't know what the mission's going to be um, and while they're awaiting their mission details, mm-hmm. they fall in love. And he doesn't want to fall in love with her because she's known for being promiscuous and a bit of a party girl. Mm. That's the whole point. That's where the title of the film comes from. She's a notorious girl. Mm-hmm. So um, people are, you know, watch out for her. She'll she'll be on to the next one before breakfast kind of thing. Yeah. 
that's her reputation. So uh, he's reluctant to fall in love, but you just can't help it. Mm. And um, then, as just after they fall in love, they find out what the mission is. And basically, the CIA want Alicia to uh, contact one of her father's former associates, uh, is Alex Sebastian, played by Claude Rains, oh. because he is trying to Sorry. build some kind of Nazi cell down in Rio that's developing something that the CIA want to know you know, they want to know what it is. Yeah. So basically her mission is to seduce Claude Rains. But the problem is she's now in love with Devlin and he's in love with her. And there's this beautiful scene. Well, it's not beautiful. It's really hard to watch, actually. He comes back from finding out what the mission is and mm-hmm. says, oh, the mission is you've got to go and sleep with Claude Rains. Mm-hmm. And she's like, do you want me to do that? And they look at each other for a long time and he says, it's up to you. Well, handsome, I think you better tell Mama what's going on. or All this secrecy is going to ruin my little dinner. Come on, Mr. D, what is darkening your brow? After dinner. No, now. Look, I'll make it easy for you. The time has come when you must tell me that you have a wife and two adorable children, and this madness between us can't go on any longer. I bet you've heard that line often enough. Right below the belt every time. That isn't fair, dear. Skip it. We have other things to talk about. We've got a job. Oh, so there is a job. You, uh, you remember a man named Sebastian? Alex Sebastian? Yes. One of my father's friends, yes. He had quite a crush on you. I wasn't very responsive. Well, he's here, the head of a large German business concern. His family always had money. He's part of the combine that built up the German war machine in hopes to keep on going. Something big? It has all the earmarks of being something big. We have to contact him. Let's have all of it. We're meeting him tomorrow. The rest is up to you. You've got to work on him and land him. Marta Hari. She makes love for the papers. There are no papers. You land him. Find out what's going on inside this house, what the group around him is up to, and report to us. I suppose you knew about this pretty little job of mine all the time. No. I only just found out about it. Did you say anything? I mean, that maybe I wasn't the girl for such shenanigans. I figured that was up to you, if you'd care to back out. I suppose you told them Alicia Huberman will have this Sebastian eating out of her hand in a couple of weeks. She's good at that, always was. I didn't say anything. You know, it's kind of like you going, for God's sake, Carrie, just Mm -hmm. say, I don't want you to do this, I love you. And she's begging him to say, I love you. You know, I believe that you've changed and that you love me. So tell me not to do this and I won't do it because I love you. And neither of them have the, you know, neither, both of them have so much pride that they can't say it to each other. It's like they're sticking to their training rather than admitting what they have in their hearts, isn't it? That's what it is. But it's, it's so, it's such a gut wrenching watch because you're Mm. like, you, I know you love her and, 
I know you love him. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is just weaken for one second yeah. or just be honest for one second mm-hmm. and you just can't be. And if you were, this, this well, this film wouldn't exist. From- <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> one point. So anyway, uh, Alicia is sent off into the lion's den to mm-hmm. sleep with uh, Claude Rains and yep. she does. And mm-hmm. um, which makes Devlin absolutely crazy with jealousy and yeah. envy and he's just, they can't stand the fact that she's now slept with it's- Claude Rains. It's that line as well, isn't it, uh, that she says to him? Because she doesn't, you know, she, she won't uh, come out and directly say, oh, I have slept with him. It was it She says, you, you need to add him to my list of playmates. Yeah, add him to my list of conquests or something, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it's playmates, but it's but it doesn't really yeah. matter. But it but it's just it's just cold, and you see his reaction, mm-hmm. and it's biting, and, and he's gutted, but he's, he's a spy, he, and he's... he's- <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, he can't. He can't. He says, like, you know, oh, that was quick work. <laughs> so, wow, that's you're, you're as good as they harsh. said you were. And um, and she says something like, "That's what you wanted, wasn't it?" And there's still this yeah. awful unsaid thing between them. And um, yeah, so she's basically slept with Claude Rains, and that's ruined his love for her yeah. and her love for him because she did. He didn't stop her. There's a perfect line. I can't remember. If it, I think it's slightly before that, but when he he makes some remark to her, and she just said, "Oh, you've just gone for below the belt as usual," and mm. because it's what he does, he really he doesn't hold back. I mean, this is the person he loves, but as again, his training is kicking in, and he's got to show that he's cold and you know um, not compassionate towards her at all, and and it's like a kick in the balls every time because it's again, like you, they you, are. You, yeah, you, I'm. I'm sorry. I was just going to reiterate what you said. You said, "Oh, come on, Carrie, stop it." Yeah, be Carrie Grant. That's what yes. you want him to do. You want to stop it. Stop being this guy and mm-hmm. be Carrie Grant. And yes. he can't do it because no. it's such a great. It's such a well-written character. It is. Anyway, and, and, and how much of this film is in the subtext? You know, it's oh, yeah, all in the yeah, stuff yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. say. Yeah. I mean, you know what they're trying to say, but they don't mm-hmm. say it. And yet every person who watches this film goes, just say this, and you mm-hmm. just say this. And it's yeah. that's, what a great script. You know, Ben well, Hecht, well, I, I, I Oh, it's, it's, it's glorious. It, mm-hmm. it really, really is. I, I mean, I had a little thought, which is that, obviously, we all know Hitchcock was known as the master of suspense, okay? Which is what he, he does so well, and we all know it. And there, and there are moments in this where the, the action, yes, you know, with the, the keychain and then the wine bottle and whatever, then that's all, all very well and good. But where it comes to Notorious, especially, I think, it's the suspense in the dialogue. Because, as you say, you're shouting going, why aren't you doing this? Why? And it never mm. comes. Not right until the end. Mm. It never comes when you go, you daft Will you just break and tell her you love her? And he just yeah. won't. He just won't. So yeah. it, it's the suspense of that script. It makes it a masterpiece in that respect. I think it's it's, it's true, glorious. Also, it's an anti Cary Grant film. Mm. Like I say, you want him to you want him to be Cary Grant, and you're expecting him to be Cary Grant all the way through. And he's not at all. He's quite a hard bitten, ruthless. Yes, I mean he's almost villainous at times. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to what happens later on. But yeah. basically, to pick up on the plot, yes, um, she finds out that Sebastian is onto something and they're doing something. Mm. The MacGuffin in this is the, the the plutonium-ish kind of thing they're trying to develop. Yes. Basically. Um, that's the MacGuffin. It doesn't matter what it is, but they're developing something nasty and nefarious. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, Claude Rains gives her an ultimatum. He says to her, I'm in love with you. If you don't love me, then I would like you to go. But if you do love me, then I want to marry you. Mm -hmm. So she goes back to the CIA and says, there's a problem. 
I can't spy on this guy anymore unless I marry him. Cary Grant's heart, Devlin's heart, is absolutely shattered by this. Oh, yes. But he tells her to he tells her to go ahead for the good of the mission. He says mm-hmm. through his teeth, yeah. and then storms out of the office. So she has to marry uh, Claude Rains, mm-hmm. uh, which then really plunges her into the lion's den because. How much does Claude Rains know? How will she find out the secrets that she needs to know without alerting not just Claude Rains but his mother? And I have to oh, quickly just yes. have a yeah. I mean, as you know, Hitchcock was famous for his mothers in films, but yeah. I have to say, Leopoldine Constantin yeah. as Madame Sebastian is the best Hitchcock villain mother ever. Yes, I love her. Agreed. She's Agreed. She, she's like a hawk. She just watches all the time, and you know she knows. You know she knows that Alicia is working for the CIA. She just needs that slight tip of the scale just to clear out. Got you. Yeah. You know, it's absolutely brilliant. I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you brought her up because uh, a I wasn't sure 100 percent how to pronounce her name, so I'm glad you clarified that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's right. But... Uh, well, it sounded good to me, mate. And looking at it, I think I think you got it bang on. But um, no, watching this again, it, it reinforced just what a spectacular role she plays. And there, there was there was one scene when Sebastian is he he knows he's convinced that his wife is a spy and mm. he's sat by his mother's bed and he says I'll wake up mother wake up and she wakes up and yeah. and and she just she wakes she up just she rolls it. but it's it's the way he goes uh, she says oh oh is it to do with Cary Grant and he just sort of goes no and uh, and he says it he says it's about Alicia and the look on her face. Is mm. it's jubilation? It's like, Spill it's, the tea. Spill yeah. the tea. It is, and <laughs> and what she does is she doesn't go. Oh, you know what has that bitch done? It's she sits back. She lights a fag and goes. I knew. I knew. And it was like, mm. oh god damn, that's cold hearted. It wonderful. becomes it becomes a horror film after that yes. as well because it's the story <laughs> of how because Alicia is a CIA agent married to a Nazi. She has to get her information back to the CIA, and she's getting it back to them, and they're slowly building the picture of what Claude yeah, yeah. Rains is doing. Mm-hmm. Now, Claude Rains and his mother, because it can't... Oh, this this is the genius stroke of this. Mm-hmm. If Claude Rains' associates find out he's married to the CIA, then he will be instantly murdered, assassinated. He's in the duty. So his life is in the balance as well. Um, th- uh, That's what one of the brilliant, the best lines ever in a film is when his mother says, she, he says, they're going to kill me, like they killed, you know, Emile. Yeah. And she says, no, you are protected by the enormity of your stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a what a burn. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But basically, so he has to somehow dispose of Alicia without alerting his associates mm-hmm. that he's disposing of Alicia because if mm-hmm. they find out that he's killing her, they want to know why, and then it will come out that he's married to a CIA agent, he'll be murdered. So yep. there's this whole like in, like clockwork of a plot. So basically it's left to the mother and Alex to slowly poison Alicia to death. She yep. doesn't know she's being poisoned. Nope. So she's going back to the CIA and looking worse all the time. And Cary Grant is quitting the case because he can't yep. stand to see her married With anymore. Else. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how far we go with this plot, but I think I think we've set up the plot enough. I don't think we should ruin the ending because the ending is one of the greatest final 10 minutes in a film. It it's is. so good. It's where Cary Grant's character comes full circle. He turns from this anti-hero, embittered, you know, a spurned lover into, I would say, a selfless hero. Yeah. You know, he marches in there. He doesn't care what's happening. You know, I'm going to rescue the woman I love. 
Um, then you get a, a, an incredible performance from Claude Rains. Mm-hmm. As he's, you know, as, as let's see, Alicia's being rescued, his performance, as yep. he just oh, walked down the stairs to the yep. car. And doesn't say anything. It's one of the tensest. I mean, I was drenched in sweat the first time I saw that. <laughs> but the whole of my body was like, oh, I can't believe how tense this is. And that's <laughs> the genius of Hitchcock. I mean, every single character in that scene, and there are, you know, four associates, Cary Grant, mm-hmm. Alicia, the mother, Claude, yep. nine people in that scene, maybe. Sure. And every single one of them has more stakes than you yes. could imagine. And it all depends on everything going perfectly. And it's the mm. it's the constant horror of, God, one false move, one false move. And you're just like, God, for 10 minutes. It's absolutely <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I do love it when I get you like this. I literally just press you on the top and off you go. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is absolutely brilliant. Let's let's get this out of the way because there really is only one choice. But Ingrid Bergman is is gush of the week, my friend. I mean, dear God. Yeah, this is um this is her at her most. I would say alluring. Definitely, my word. I mean, obviously Cary Grant's right up there, but um, Mm. and uh, Claude Rains is a very handsome man. But uh, no, he's very he's very uh, romantic and suave in this. Do you know what? Do you know what? Sometimes I really had to check myself and go. Do you know what? He's really nice and charming. Oh no, he's a Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) What a lovely man! What What a a lovely Nazi! Stop it! I know, I know. It was it was Doctor Strangelove, wasn't it? It The arm was going up. You know. (laughs) Oh dearie me! But what I was going to ask was because you'll you'll know more about this than I do. Was there a raft in sort of forty six to I don't know probably fifty? of just this anti-Nazi conspiracy f- films? Was this a thing, or was Hitchcock just uh, ahead of his time? Or, you know, w- w- you know, did this kickstart something that was going to continue? I mean, this, this I mean, is that, new territory for me. That's an interesting question. I mean, I'm sure there are. Yeah, I mean, if the, America was obsessed with... Well, Hollywood was obsessed with making films about... Nazis. I'm, I mean, there must have Still been are. so many films. <laughs> I mean, there, there's films like the House on Ninety Second Street, which was an actual docudrama by Henry Hathaway, and it was all about how they caught Nazis during the war. You know, and it was like um, it's like uh, the the FBI was set up a surveillance point, and this is how they stopped a thing from happening. You know, mm-hmm. on home ground, as you know, there were lots of those films about. It was like revisionist history. Gotcha. Um, I think Notorious is a is is a good example of fictionalizing post war, you know, perhaps in it, Nazi stories and just sort of you know clinging on to that hangover of uh, Nazi fear, maybe. Gotcha. But there was definitely a lot a lot of films where it was yeah. Oh, this is by the way, we couldn't tell you at the time, but yeah. back in forty one, there was mm-hmm. this thing that almost happened that destroyed the world. I mean, it's know. it's a clever conceit to use, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah. as you say, you know, you sort of say you thought you knew everything, but you didn't, you know. Yeah, yeah, you, you exactly. Know, you, and the files are open for the first time. Kind of exactly. Thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, we keep saying this. I mean, we've said it a lot recently. Uh, for our other job, <laughs> which is it's it's a great idea on paper, and then if it's executed well, then it's great, you know. So if it's not, then mm. eh, you know, uh, I'm looking at you, Black Widow. But I'm just saying, it's like, <laughs> yeah. But I'm just, I'm just saying, it's. I mean, this is brilliant. You're watching this in 1946 after those horrible six years of <laughs> total war and violence to suddenly go, ha ha, we've got them. They're trying to set up in Rio, and it's not gonna work. You know, yeah. it's just, we've got I Cary mean, Grant and Ingrid Bergman going to beat the 
Exactly, and it's like you can you can feel the sort of I was about to say propaganda, but that's not right. But you can you can feel the the passion behind it of sort of saying they lost, right? They lost in the end, but we won in the end. You know, it's it's nice. Yeah, absolutely. Propaganda is the right word. There, propaganda carried on after the war. Definitely, there were lots of people who were saying we should be doing this and we should be, you know, turning into a more peaceful nation. And there were government agencies that needed more money and more support and everything. And they were like, look, we need to keep these funded because this is what they stopped in 41. And, you know. So, yeah, I mean, propaganda's still going. <laughs> I mean, it's not, well, that's true. I mean, it's not really that surprising now, is it, when you think about it, when, you know, Hitchcock made war films, didn't he? I mean, he made the films yeah. for the for the um, British government, didn't he? So, yeah, yeah. He did, you know, yeah. Th- that makes sense. You know, why not draw mm. on that and stick it in a movie? Yeah, I mean, he did, he did like, <clears throat> touched on Nazis and saboteurs a lot. Foreign correspondent. Yeah. It's a perfect example of, please come into the war, America. We need you. And this is why. Then you had things like Notorious. And you had things like oh, Saboteur. It's a, a film about... They don't name them as Nazis. They just name them as fifth columnists who are yes. trying to destabilize your life while your boys are off fighting mm. kind of thing. And it's all about that. Yeah. So, yeah. He definitely touched on it. Yeah. But, I mean, I, mean, I suppose it's unavoidable, isn't it? I mean, if you... If you go as we are through Golden Age cinema, and you're you're bound to hit from thirty nine to let's give it let's give it till forty seven. So you've got that you've got that stretch of time. You're gonna hit the war, aren't you? You know, I mean, we've had it with oh, Hammer um, as well, haven't we? You know, you, you know, know yeah. because we because we started in thirty six and we're now up to fifty two. You're gonna hit the the war in that as well. It's unavoidable, mm. regardless of what continent you're on. It's it's that time period. It's all encapsulating because that was the the. I mean, not just the major event, but the event that was happening to the war at the time. So you know. Mm. We we look back on this in I don't know twenty thirty years. Is there going to be a, a spate of coronavirus movies? Probably. You never know. But obviously, it's not as a. Uh, I was about to say serious, but you know what I mean. It's not total war. It's a pandemic. There's a big difference. I'm not downplaying either. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I, I see. It's like a it's like a world shifting event. Yes, thank and you. and of That's course there will be there will be stories told about that. I think the mm. the the differences with World War Two. Even more than World War One, I, I would say, is that mm. it was largely based on on gen- people couldn't believe that genocide was happening and mm. it was an extermination of a race and it was like ha- this calls upon uh, everyone in the world was basically mm. good or evil yeah. and they fought and good won out in the end. You know yep. what happened since? Yes, then we did. You know, <laughs> yeah. but um, <laughs> the problem with coronavirus is it's a faceless, nameless enemy, and and it's and it's hard to hard to um make then. a dramatic story out of it. You, you <laughs> but um, I I'm do sorry, mate. Right wingers are... aren't nameless or faceless. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll wind uh, that in. No, 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 no. I, I agree to an extent, but some of them. Don't have faces. All don't have what look like faces. <laughs> no, it's shielded. It's shielded normally by a big gun. <laughs> Can I just quickly throw a, a hand of support out to our good friend Chris, who had a rather rough experience on social media? This Absolutely. is. I'm not going to dwell on this, but um, you know, Chris, me and Smokey are with you. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, right on, sweetheart. We, um, I, I, I tweeted uh, my support, and I fully stand by it as well. So yeah, I, I totally agree. But we, as you say, we won't. Yeah. Uh, in the context of the the war, yeah. anyway, uh, very interesting storytelling happened during the war. Very interesting story 
mm-hmm. telling happened after the war. And then, of course, he went into the whole blacklist period. And because the problem is when you're rebuilding after a war, you get mm. certain sensibilities that say things like, you know, oh, well, let's, let's, I tell you what, now that we have a blank plane, let's give more money to these people and let's, let's mm. have racial equality and let's, you know, let's do this. And they go, oh, communist. And then all of a sudden you have that problem. And then, you, uh. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, uh, the human race is um, sometimes just so blind it can't see it in front of its face it's weird it's isn't it but again. this is a real shame it is it is but i mean i suppose if you're gonna take a positive way and i and i am one for that i do try and look at the positives of uh, of things such as this is that mm. you you've got this you've got this film right and, and bearing in mind ingrid bergman she's a european mm. you know she's not american she's not british so you bring that in. Claude Rains, again, not American, not British. Cary Grant is a bit of both, kind of. I mean, I know he's a Bristol boy, but he was kind of American as well. So you throw all that into a melting pot, and then you throw in a load of Nazis as well. And it's sort of like, well, here, look at this. We're a load of Americans and Europeans mixing together. All right, granted, some of us have got a goal that really shouldn't be done, and then others have got a goal that really should be done. So it's sort of like, all right. Okay. I mean, Hitchcock knew what he was doing. I mean, I think that's an irrefutable fact. Okay. He, he <laughs> filled, he filled his cast with people who knew what the hell they were doing. And I, I can't imagine that anyone in that cast, and you think of them, the main cast was there. 10 people? Main cast. I, I cannot imagine they needed much direction at all. You know? I mean, you have some very, very, very talented people there. Yeah. My God. And, and for a film, I'll tell you what, for a film it's, that doesn't rely on its... I mean, it has incredible set pieces. It doesn't rely on them, though. It's all about no. performance in this film. No, no, and the yeah. whole film is about... The whole film's about trust and mistrust. It's about pride. And so for, you know, a gallery of characters yeah. to bring that... You know, it's hardly any guns and there's no, no. you know shootouts and or anything no, like no, that no. for a spy film it's all about it's all set in pretty much in one household yeah it's a very very clever film but but very, kind of my po- kind of my point was sorry I, I i described it terribly but but you, you what you do, <laughs> what you don't have right is you don't have them on Mount Rushmore. You don't have mm. the gorgeous scenery of To Catch a Thief. You yeah. have you have these people sat in a park, sat in a big house. You know, a bit like Psycho. You're in what kind of one kind of one location for the majority of the film, right? So you're letting your actors do their job, right? And I know Hitchcock could be a taskmaster. We all know that, and that's fair dues. But when you've got Cary Grant and Nick McBurman and, and Claude Rains. You just you just gotta go. Do you know what? Here's the script. You know. I don't because you're not I'm not saying Hitchcock relied on it, but you're not relying on this big spectacular finish of being at Mount Rushmore or having a plane crop dusting you over the head. You you are literally as you said, you are literally ending the film walking down a flight of stairs. I mean that's that is surely any film fans or directors dream of a way of ending a film when you can give it to these wonderful wonderful people who can create such beautiful things and just letting them do it okay the camera is very very important it's crucial in fact but you know you've got to you've got to marvel at it and go crap that's amazing you know it's mm-hmm. it's it, it's something that when you see you instantly recognize I don't want to use the word genius, but it is friggin' genius. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, I, I, I'm, I think the point you're making is that the actors are so good mm-hmm. that Hitchcock perhaps had less, less maybe, work to Maybe do on can this. take a step back a little bit, yeah. Just mm. let, him, let him go, you I, know? 
I mean, that definitely didn't happen. No, I know it didn't. I've read the trivia, <laughs> but, but I, I do agree with you. I think, I think, you know, I don't, I can't really imagine this cast having worked as well together. You know, even if you replaced one element of it, even Louis Louis Calhoun as the CIA boss. Oh yeah, yeah. he's just so good and dry. Yeah. I mean, everyone's just perfect in this film. As you say, though, they're all just so good, and it's one of those films as well that makes you realise how. Because I like think a lot of people think old films are full of stilted performances and not mm. so they're not as naturalistic and not as method or whatever as sure. today. And I think a lot of people think, oh, today's films actors are so much better because they learned from those generations. But um, you watch Notorious. There's no moment in this film where someone is off by no. a single note. It's absolute perfection when it comes yeah. to performance. Um, Cary Grant's brilliant. It's the, it's, the, it's the film that nails his darkness, I would say, mm. more than any other. Suspicion hinted at it, but mm. they sort of, you know, didn't stick the landing. Yeah. But Notorious, I think, it really gets that, you know, that horrible whirlpool of dark conflict that he could have in him from time to time. It's a really, really amazing film in terms of performance. I, I've, got a, I've got a very serious question to ask you, but I think I already know the answer, but you may surprise me, is that... <laughs> There's this thing about Hitchcock always having the Hitchcock blonde, okay? Mm. Right. Which obviously he doesn't in this. You've got to, you've also got to look at it. I personally, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that he had the stereotypical male as well. So he had mm. Cary Grant and he had Jimmy Stewart or whoever else you want to say. But for me, it comes down to Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart. They were the ones he used the most, I think. Correct me again if I'm wrong. For yeah, his leading no, Cary Grant four times. For, Jimmy yeah, four three? times. Yeah. Rear window vertigo rope. No, four each then, because man who knew too much. Oh, of course, yeah. Vertigo rope, and uh, yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. Your point is that you that they both have a look of their own when it comes to being a man as well. So not just the blonde. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both chiselled. Both very handsome. Both with very distinctive voices. But Mm -hmm. I'm gonna. I am gonna put you on the spot now and say who is your favourite of those Hitchcock leading men? Oh, Cary Grant, hundred percent. And I think he was definitely Hitchcock's favourite as well. And I think Hitchcock not only enjoyed spending time with him more. Mm -hmm. Not not that he disliked Jimmy Stewart, but I think the appeal of Jimmy Stewart is quite not as it's not as broad as the appeal of Cary Grant, especially when you're in a Hitchcock film because. Um, Hitchcock always said, you know, people said, why do you have blondes in your film? And he said, it's not that I have a thing for blondes. It's just that when I was growing up and seeing stories and watching silent movies, it was always a dark hero, tall, dark and handsome hero and a blonde damsel, you know, being, so it's just the, it's just the image I see a blonde and someone with dark hair. So I think, I think when it comes to, um, Hitchcock heroes, I think Cary Grant fits that bill better. And I also think he's a bit more versatile than Jimmy Stewart. I think. James Fair Stewart enough. is great. Don't get me wrong, and I love him in so many films. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like, he wanted to play Roger Thornhill in North by Northwest. Mm-hmm. But um, Hitchcock was like, "You're not right for this." But I didn't know how to tell him, so he waited until James Stewart was busy with Bell Booking Candle and signed on to do that. And then he quickly said, "Oh, well, you're not unavailable. I'm really sorry, I'm gonna have to get Cary Grant." You know, I think I think there were lots of roles that Jimmy Stewart couldn't play for Hitchcock, but I think there were. I don't. I can't really think of a role that Cary Grant couldn't have played mm. for Hitchcock, other other than you know Bob Rusk in Frenzy. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> yeah. He, 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 uh, yeah. Oh no, I'm not even going to say that. Um, but I, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, I do. But 
It's for me, for me, again, right? This goes back to the beginning of the episode of of when you watched these films. And I Mm. saw, I think, at least three of Jimmy Stewart's Hitchcock films before I saw any of Cary Grant's. So for me personally, it will always be Jimmy Stewart is the archetypal Hitchcock Mm. male. And don't get me wrong, just like you, I adore Cary Grant. I absolutely love him. And obviously, mm. by doing the show, I've watched I've watched more and more, and of course, listening to your wonderful podcast as well. I've watched more Cary Grant too. <laughs> Stop it! I know, <laughs> but uh, never. But um, but for me, it will be. It will always be Jimmy Stewart. Is is for me is the archetypal mm. Hitchcock male. But then again, as you say, all right, there was a little bit of overlap there with North by Northwest, but they're, they're kind of separate though. I mean, Cary was the earlier and Jimmy was the later, wasn't he? So you could have the two, you could have the two as the two Hitchcock males. Well, I think if Jimmy Stewart had been the Jimmy Stewart of the thirties and had started with Hitchcock at the same time as Mm -hmm. Cary Grant started in suspicion, then I think maybe, but I don't know. There's something about when, when you get to vertigo and you see Jimmy Stewart in vertigo I think he's right for that role. Don't be right. I don't think Cary Grant would be right for that role. Uh, I was I just going to say, I can't, I can't see Cary mm. Grant playing the role in no, Vertigo. No, I, I think Jimmy Stewart's the better choice for that role, I have to say. But also, he's kind of looking a bit, I don't know. I don't want to use the word old, but it's almost like he's not, he's a very mature Jimmy Stewart, let's just say that. He he's is, not, yes. If, if right. he was a young, if he was 1942 Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. playing in, in Vertigo, they yeah. transported him through time. Mm-hmm. Then I think that film would be. I think. Well, I think his whole Hitchcock, car- you know, career would be a lot more. I don't know. I, don't, I think there's a lot more darkness in Jimmy Stewart in his earlier days. That when, when he played drama, like watch After the Thin Man, he's in mm. that, and he he plays he plays a murderer in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that that kind of when it was a bit more young and experimental. I'm glad you brought that up actually, because it was actually just today when I was on my <laughs> when I was on my. Um, Daily beer run. I listened to you talking about uh, radio plays, and uh, and you played Cary Grant playing mm. uh, the the other role in uh, in Suspicion, in, uh, wasn't it? Shadow of a Doubt. Shadow of a Doubt. Oh, Sorry, Shadow my fault. Yeah, he plays. He played the murderer, Uncle Charlie. I, I, and I mean, and it's one of the greatest pieces of fantasy fiction casting ever. I I, I didn't even <laughs> know that was a thing, and I listened to that going. <laughs> he actually really did do that really well. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I think Hitchcock Yeah, I know. I think Hitchcock would have worked with Cary Grant every time if he could. But I don't think Cary Grant wanted to, you know, he was great friends with Hitchcock and they they wasn't just on the set either. They no, no. were great friends out of it as well. And his um brief dalliance with Ingrid Bergman, uh she starred in three films for Hitchcock. That was all based on his I think it has to be said, obsession with her. He was, mm. he went around the studio telling people that they'd had an affair and everything. I and it was like, read that. Bit, yeah. but, I mean, yeah, very problematic, but um, yeah. And then when she, oh, yeah, ran the, off with uh, Roberto says, Rossellini, um, she, she, she wouldn't leave the room until he had had sex with her. That was what I read. That was his story. Yeah. And she, no one she, that's what, apparently she, that's what apparently she said to him, um, obviously obvious rubbish. And then she, she was blissfully ignorant of all these rumors that he was starting about their supposed love, 
And then she ran off with Roberto Rossellini. Yes. And, yeah. and also, just after she'd made Under Capricorn for him. So basically, she not only left him for another director, she also tanked that film, which his whole producing career was based on. So he saw that as a great betrayal, and that was, that was their it. last film together. Mm. Anyway, yeah. back to it. To, to be fair, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, let's point this out, right? We're, we're not... We're not glossing over the fact that he was a deeply flawed human being. Oh, but, absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. but um, and especially by today's standards, it's whew, you know, it's mm-hmm. yeesh. But um, but didn't make a great film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great, great. Uh, I, I, I think the most influential director of all time. I so. would have to agree. Yes, absolutely. It's hard. Um, to, it's hard to dispute that. Yeah, it really. Well, I mean, you know, there are there are people <coughs> more experienced and more influential than we are who who would certainly attest to that. So, I think we'll have to we'll have to go with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so right. Yeah. As you say, let's get back to Notorious, shall we? So. Um, <laughs> obviously, we 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 talked about the cast, and 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 I mentioned briefly there the um that there isn't the, the the sort of the grandiose location or set piece, but for me personally, I want to know if you agree. Because of it, for me personally, the, the sort of minimalist settings of it helps it, you know. It does have that kind of claustrophobic feel, especially when she is, you know, she's married, she's in the house. She can't really go anywhere without being seen. I mean, she does get out a couple of times. But do you mm. think that that helps with the, the overall atmosphere of the film as well? Yeah, because, it, yeah, as you say, this is, this is one of those rare examples of a Hitchcock film. Mm doesn't really rely on location and instead it, it's all about the minutiae of marriage i mean it's it's about it's about how do i get this door unlocked mm-hmm. how do i get this man into my house mm-hmm. oh i'll throw a party how do i get that door unlocked it's so clever you know it's all about i mean that shot from the top of the staircase the balcony good heavens i mean i mean it even today with an iphone 13 <laughs> pro i could not on a drone. Not... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do you zoom in that close on someone's, on someone's hand? hand? And you don't things you don't even see the key. You just see the edge of a key yeah. peeking over the finger. But you know exactly. Oh, it's just such a. I mean, God, that film could be silent, and yeah. you would know every single thing that happened in every scene. Mm-hmm. There's no need for dialogue, and that is such a clever visual director. It's beautiful. I mean, uh, the the other one I'll give uh, a lot of credit to is the um, is the the horse racing uh, the horse race track uh, scene as well. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that was gorgeous. I mean you've got <laughs> another thing where we've got to give the mother credit. I'm not going to try and pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. I'll leave that to you. But you've got to give her so <laughs> much. Credit. How was she not nominated for an Academy Award? I will never know. But. Um, mm. Um, but you've got that say, and you've got you've got Claude Rains, and you've got the mum, and they're, and they're chatting, and he is doing his best. And I mean, this is it, right? He's a nice Nazi, and so he's doing his best. He's doing Stop his, saying that. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I can't help it. But he's doing his best to. Uh, guide his mum into liking his wife, and obviously she's massively distrustful. And it proves out she was actually right. So you know, uh, and and she's and, and she's saying nice things, but you don't believe her for a second. This Huberman has been gone a long time. Mother, is it necessary for you to always address Alicia as Miss Huberman? I do wish you'd be a little more cordial to her. Really, I thought I was behaving very well. Has she been complaining about me? I'm grateful. Might smile at her. 
Wouldn't it be a little too much if we both grinned at her like idiots? Oh, no, please, Mel, I want to enjoy myself. Is it so boring to sit with me alone? Not at all, not at all. Of, of sort of saying, well, haven't I tried to be nice to her? And it's sort of like, have you? And then it's sort of like, oh, well, I, I don't want to grin at her all the time. That'd be weird. And it's like, well, that means you haven't smiled once at her. So, you know, just tone it down a little bit, woman. But then it switches to this wonderful shot of Carrie and Ingrid, by, you know, on the rail of the track. And also and that shot of when she's using the binoculars and... The the, yeah. the track is racing past her eyes. Well, not the track, but you know the, the horses on it, and and it's just it's it's glorious. I mean, it's beautiful. It's 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 flawless, flawless. Yeah. It really Sorry, but, but as well, I mean, even the throwaway lines in it. You know, mm. she he he insults her, but she can't at the racetrack, like you say. He insults yeah. her at the racetrack. I can't remember the line he uses, but you know, oh well, it's what women like you do, right? Isn't it? And she's absolutely devastated but she can't show it because they're being watched so she kind of looks down and then he just he just kind of oh. like because he's casual he's casually yeah. won and then he glances over her shoulder and goes watch out here comes dreamboat like this and she looks yeah. over and alex is storming through the crowd towards him and that's quite a scary shot it is i have to say my favorite my favorite shot of the film okay is when um she i mean aside from the glorious crane shot that zooms mm. in from the height i mean god from you know 50 feet in the air down a staircase across a hall and to the hand behind Ingrid Bourbon's back as I say you can just see the edge of a key but you know Mm. how he managed it god knows well I I loved reading the trivia about that bit and uh, saying mm. that they they made four attempts at it and uh, it just every single time Hitch was saying to whoever was operating that the the, the crane was you can get closer to her hand and mm. you can see on the take they use in the film he can't get closer to her hand. <laughs> and God, how how do you go from that anyway? <laughs> but my favorite my favorite my favorite shot of the film is when um, it's uh, she has been given the poison and yeah. she's trying. To, the doctor is saying, "Oh, you should go away and stay and and and." you should go away and stay in the mountains for a rest. And um, as she reaches for her coffee, she she takes the doctor's coffee by mistake. Mm. And the, the, uh, Alex and her mother, Alex and his mother go, no, not that one. And she instantly realizes, why do they want me to? Oh my God, they're poisoning me. This is why yeah. I feel ill. And she looks at them. And as she looks at them, she sort of passes out from the effects of the poison. Yeah. And, they're, and they go from perfectly lit to silhouetted. Mm. And then they skew like a house of mirrors. Yeah. And it's, one of the creepiest, like such a horrible, because you just feel them like looming into her, and it's uh-huh. oh my god, it's absolutely terrifying shot. It's so brilliant. I, I completely agree, but I, I, I'll tell you one of mine because it was it was a really odd way of doing it. Is right at the beginning, well, pretty much at the beginning, in the first few minutes of the film, is you've got this party going on. Okay, mm. nothing nothing <clears throat> outlandish about that. It's a lot of people. Around drinking. Oh, by the way, and the most awkward dance scene ever of the two, of the couple <laughs> dancing in the middle of the floor, and he can't dance as she can, and she's getting increasingly frustrated at him. By the way, which is fantastic because I've been in that situation. I have two left feet. I have been that bloke who cannot dance. <laughs> uh, in fact, fuck it. I am that bloke who can't dance, and I, I know uh, you exactly are what one of two. Believe well, me, because I can't. Well, fair news, mate. Fair news. <laughs> But what happens is, is that she notices she uh, Ingrid notices Cary Grant sat at this party. It's like it's like she's noticed him for the first time, and she kind of calls him a gatecrasher and an inter- interloper. 
And you see, all you see is the back of Cary Grant's head. I bet the you know back of him, Grant, yeah. Because that's that's all you, yeah. but you know it's Cary Grant. And, but then it fades to black without seeing the front of his face. And then the next fade in is the side of Cary Grant's face. And it was like, hang on, why did you just, why did you fade out and then fade back in? Why not just turn the camera around and show Cary Grant? And it doesn't, it, it fades out and you think, oh, we've got a new scene coming. We do have a new, new scene coming, but it's in the same location with the same actors just less of them, and you're now showing Cary Grant, and it's the most random thing, but for some reason it really, really worked. Yeah, but so much... Yeah, I I, I totally get your point, and I know exactly mm. the shot, because my mind did exactly the same thing as well. Yeah. But it's it's incredibly... It, I don't know, there's something about that fade down and fade up. You know time has passed, yeah. and it's, it's so clever. I mean, God, did anyone understand the language of film better than Hitchcock? He studied mm. it with the German masters, and when he began making films for Hollywood, it was like, I know how they make films in Germany, and they can make films with literally no dialogue, and you can understand yeah. them perfectly. That's what I'm going to try and do for Western cinema, and God, he did it. I mean, Jesus. That's pretty much what uh, Truffaut said to him, wasn't it? So, so well, you took mm. these ideas and you went to America. It's know? basically you took you took the, the the language of film and you translated it mm-hmm. for the world. Yep. That's what he did, and, yep. and you can see that. In, in you gave it to you gave it to a mass down. audience where mm. where the German ex- expressionist directors were never going to do. I mean, here, look, you're the expert. You tell me, but I'm just. This is what I've learned so far, is that well, he, I think, he I think took those Lang, ideas yeah. and made it run. Yeah, I think Lang was definitely recognised in Europe, mm-hmm. but when he went to America, he kind of he. It's almost like he. I mean, there are certain films like Woman in the Window and Fury and Scarlet Street and things that stand out because yeah. you can see the German the expressionism in them. You can see <laughs> you can that. See the <laughs> <laughs> you can see the German expressionism <laughs> in them. But um, I, I think there's a lot of films that Lang made. I watched, uh, God, what was it the other day? Um, I can't remember. It's, it's a venture film with Stuart Grange. I can't remember the name of it because it was so mind-numbingly unlike him. Mm. I, I think he, he felt diluted by Hollywood. It was like all of a sudden he went from, God, how do I achieve this, to mm-hmm. 15 people around him saying, you can achieve it this way, you can achieve it this way, here's yeah. a load of money for you. you know. It's but weird, Whereas I think it? Hitchcock never, ever surrendered that creative process what he did was he kept the same formula from day one which was to plan out every single shot of the film and the Mm -hmm. way the camera moves in every single shot and then just to get actors to say right this is the shot this is what it does now do it and they would stand there and say their lines and look that way and he would zoom out and that was it right got it don't need to and that's why he said actors should be treated like cattle is because i don't need you to have a creative input in this. I want yep. you to stand there and do exactly what this piece of paper says. And that's, you know, when he said actors should be treated like Catley, he wasn't being rude. He was saying no. they're there to mm-hmm. do this job. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love the fact that you have pretensions, but not here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, um, doesn't yeah. that just perfectly encapsulate Laurence Olivier talking to Dustin Hoffman when they were doing Marathon Man? You know, you know that story, you know, where Dustin Hoffman uh, ran ran and ran and ran, didn't sleep, so he looked all haggard, and Olivier said to him, why don't you just try acting? <laughs> you know? It's just so true. It really is. I mean, I, I mean, maybe yeah. there is a, a train of thought and, you know, a school of reason for uh, for method acting, but when Laurence Olivier turns around and just says, do you want to just be an actor? It's That well, kind of tells you everything, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I, I, I think there were a lot of, you know, the method acting thing has its place, definitely. But even at uh, Hitchcock's, well, I mean, I get why people do it. 
because they feel like they can't inhabit a character unless they inhabit the character, like Daniel Day-Lewis or Robert De Niro or whatever. But I think Hitchcock's from that school of things. Like, if you're an actor and I tell you to act a certain way, yeah. that's your job to do that. You know, and even Ingrid Bergman, when she was presenting his AFI award, she said to him that she had these kind of pretensions. Like, there's a famous speech. She did it when she was talking to him. Hello, I'm here to present the thing. And I remember I worked with Hitchcock and I said to him one day, you know, I, I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Yeah. I don't, I can't act. I don't experience the thing that you're trying to make me experience. And you looked at me and you said, Ingrid... Fake it. <laughs> and she said, and I've been doing that ever since. Thank yeah. you, Hitch. Oh, well, that's so good. It's, it's right, isn't it? You know. That's right. Exactly, yeah. I it's mean, so fa- right. fa- fast forward to modern times, right? And you get a co- collection of complete bellends who, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, There's so many running through my mind. <laughs> Morbius Nobed. Uh, Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. Who you know sent dead rats to people as present uh, presents as to, to act as the Joker, or you get Lady Gaga who spoke in an Italian accent for a year to do the House of Gucci. It's like, come on, if you want to be an actor, act right. It's not. I'm sure it's difficult to be a great actor. I'm not one. I've never been one. I never will be one. But just do. You're getting paid gajillions. Act. Mm. Come on, it's pathetic. I get, yeah. No, I, I, I get you, yeah. I mean, I, I would never disparage anyone's approach to their mm. craft, mm. but I, I totally understand. The, the way it seems to me, the thing, the thing that I love about old films is that people were versatile. They could play comedies, yeah. they could play, you know, scrungy thrillers, yep. they could do dramas, they yes. could do anything, because they were there to do a job. They didn't mm-hmm. take it home with them. They no. came in and said, what do you need me to be today? We want you to play a hobo who's in love with another hobo. Okay, so just rough up my clothes, okay? <laughs> You. you know, and it's something very pure about that. And it's, Absolutely. you know, the thing is, but I, yeah, I do. Could you, can you, I, can you don't get me wrong. Let, let me give you a hypothetical. I'm not going to call someone like Daniel Day Lewis a badass because he's incredible. No, 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 no. But well, it's, it's, it's just the way you get there is very interesting to me. Yeah. There's a difference. There, there's a, right. <laughs> I, I think history will prove to us that there is a monumental difference between Daniel Day Lewis and Jared Leto. Okay. So I think mm-hmm. time has already proved that. You know, one is, Oh, unbelievable! Hundred percent. One is yeah. right, but can you imagine being in the thirties and forties and going to Jimmy Cagney and saying, "Right, to get this part down, I want you to just be on the streets for two or three days, really inhabit that mm. character." He would have beaten the crap out of you. Well, interestingly, Smokey, this is there's a very neat crossover here because Ooh. Hitchcock's one of Hitchcock's pet peeves is that, that you know, with the emergence of the method. It kind of killed his love for actors. I mean, we get to Torn Curtain. He had Paul Newman come in, and Paul Newman was very method. And also, he had Montgomery Clift on I Confess, and and Montgomery Clift was very, you know, and it was this real birth of, you know, the Strasbourg. I can't remember. It's all Brando's fault. Well, you know, people said this is a new way of of acting, and this is the way. And he just couldn't get his head around it. I don't care about your method. It says here on the paper that you turn your head to the left. I, I don't need to give you a reason. You're hungry. Well, I don't feel hungry now. You know, then starve yourself for three weeks and then you'll go, towards, it's just, just for, to him, it was a completely yeah. foreign concept. It was I like, do. just look slightly mournful and turn your head left. And they go like this. And they go, great. Thanks, Carrie. And yeah. Paul Newman would need an entire reason or day to set himself up to do that shot. And he just couldn't get, you know, his do head around Do you not just find that so pretentious, mate? 
I do, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I'm not an actor, so I don't... No, you know, I'm not. I I'm not. I don't know. No. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know. So, uh, for some people, I'm sure it works wonders, but... Yeah. And that's fine. For me, I'm and a very fine. golden age. I'm John Loder fan, you know? Yes, John Loder fan was... <laughs> John Loder was not... <laughs> John Loder you... had one look. You call, you call him barely an actor, so... <laughs> <laughs> I love him for it. That's great. I know. I, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Well, I think I think we're coming to the end of Notorious now. I think we we we've, we've done it. We've oh done yeah, it we're talking well. about Notorious. <laughs> we were, we were. I love our tangents, though. It's, it's wonderful. I love it when we get heated uh, too. But this this is um, this is a spectacular movie. Um, oh, that brings me back to my point that I made earlier. Uh, what uh, elevated this up uh, an extra an extra point for me mm. was. Uh, a couple of things. One was I, I don't know what it was. I, maybe I just I, the few times I've watched it before. Maybe I just wasn't concentrated. Maybe it does take the concentration of knowing you're going to be reviewing it to pro- to see more than uh, you originally did. I don't know, but um, I'm just a you know a bull podcaster. But I I I was focusing on it a lot more, and um, I was I was watching more, and it and it came to a head in that very last scene. As I said, we're not really going to spoil it, but when Carrie comes to rescue Ingrid. He's he's got one job, right? And that she needs to be saved. Okay. And then mm. Hitchcock decides to slow everything down. Okay. Mm. She's drugged. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know what's happening outside the door. And it's everything just slows down to a crawl. And that for me was brilliant because mm-hmm. it just there's no, okay he's sort of going all right no no you stay awake you keep talking even though you're drugged i'll get your coat blah 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 but it, it doesn't it it doesn't happen in 30 40 50 seconds it takes minutes and it just mm. but but the tension just wraps ramps ramps up it is just, oh my well, god this time yeah. i was watching it and just with my hands over my mouth going oh my god God, this is the, the, you know, stupendous. What elevates it as well is that mm. he arrives in the room, yep. no one knows he's there, mm-hmm. and he wakes her up and she can't believe he's real. She, she's like, oh, oh, have you come for me? You know, yeah. Am I dreaming? And and he's like, I'm here for you. And let me yeah. just quickly say, Alicia, what's wrong with you? I'm so glad you came. I had to. I couldn't stand anymore waiting and worrying about you. There wasn't a hangover you had that day. You were sick then. What is it? Yes, I was sick. What's wrong with you, Alicia? Oh, dear. What is it, dear? What's wrong with you? They're poisoning me. I couldn't get away from them. I tried, but I was too weak. How long? Since the party. Alex and his mother found out. Come on, try and sit up. Sit up. I've got to get you out of here. I thought you had gone. No. I had to see you once speak my piece. I was getting out because I love you. I couldn't bear seeing you and him together. Why didn't you tell me before? I know. But I couldn't see straight or think straight. I was a fat-headed guy full of pain. It tore me up not having you. 
I love you. Yeah. And I'm really sorry that you did this. And she says, I love you too. And it's like, God, I've never wanted anyone to succeed more than I want you two to succeed right now. Which yeah. basically, you know, if he'd have gone and gone in there, you're stupid. Oh, I told you not to win with her, you know. And she'd Throw, be like, oh, you're always shoulder. You know what I mean? It would have been like, yeah. just get them out. But, but because there's this new... Mm-hmm. In the final five minutes of a film, you add those stakes to it. Mm-hmm. It's like <gasps> it's like you fizz with excitement. It's, um, yeah, and it's and it's that line. Fun. It's that line she gives. She gives a, a sort of uh, I, I can't quote it directly, uh, uh, but she says, "Tell me again, because it will keep me going." Yeah, it gives me strength. That's yeah. it. And, it, and it's just sort of like, me, it gives me and 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 yeah. you don't even have time to shout at the screen this time of going, will you bloody tell her? Because he does tell her. <laughs> yeah, get in there, Carrie. That's the Carrie that we wanted. About time, <laughs> on, Carrie. You carry her. <laughs> He's literally carrying Carrie. Carrie Ingrid. <laughs> the brilliant thing is he gets outside the door, and and the the beautiful glide shot sort of mm. cuts to the other doors upstairs, and you see. Alex walking up the stairs and you see Madame Sebastian walking out the door and they both lock eyes and it's like, oh crap. It's like, you, you know, you you jumped into a pit and two snakes just rear their heads up and you're... <gasps> it's terrifying. But yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's, perfect it's absolutely incredible. Let's just, uh, let's just mention that Claude Rains was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yes, I mean, was, yeah. d- very deserved. I don't know what he lost out to that year, but it must have been something spectacular to beat him out because he was he was brilliant. Yeah, I mean that's uh, he lost out to oh Harold Russell for best years of our lives. Harold Russell was uh, an amputee, came back from the war, had no hands, so he acted that's in the best years in. of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong; it's a very very good performance he gives. Um, but you can you can see why he actually won not just best supporting actor. I believe he won like an honorary Oscar as well. Okay. So everyone was very big on best years of our lives. And that, yeah, that won like best picture and best director and best actor and everything. So worth, worth checking out. Definitely, it's very long, but yeah, yeah very involving, very good. Okay, yeah. really right. really good film. Yeah, I'll add it to the list. But but the as 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 we said, the uh, the entire cast is. It's wonderful. I mean, it is just yeah. I I can't. There, there is not a, a a weak a weak link in this uh, in this cast at all. So not at yeah, all, no. absolutely brilliant. So um, let's let's wrap this up. Um, your general thoughts on Notorious and and your rating, please, my friend. Um, well, it's a ten, obviously, because yeah. it's a flawless film. Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't <laughs> I'm chucking tens out, but I mean, Notorious is a is an easy ten for me. It, uh, as a as a example of cinematic craft, as I say, you could take all the dialogue out of this film and know exactly what was happening in every scene. I mean, that's pure cinema. That's pure cinema it's at its purest. So, um, just just on a technical level, it's a ten. There's not a dud performance in it. It's one of Hitchcock's most unique singular films. The script's perfect by Ben Hecht. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm come back to your earlier question: Is it a good film to start with? Yeah. In terms of the Hitchcock film. Definitely, Ooh. it would be in one of the top five I would recommend. If I was going to give people yeah. five Hitchcocks to get them started and say any order, it's fine. This mm-hmm. would definitely be in there. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a 10 mm. for me. Easy. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've I've gushed over it all for two hours now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't think of a detriment to it. And if I do, then I'm being super picky and having to look for it. So it doesn't make sense. So 10, yeah. 
<laughs> right. Okay. Well, after you said that, I feel really bad because I'm only going to give it a nine. But um, <laughs> but a nine right. for me. But well, a nine for me is spectacularly high. Anyway, you know, I'm more, much more sparing with my tens than you are. <laughs> for 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 me. For me, a 10 has to be absolutely perfect. And there, there's a couple of moments in this where, where, where it's not. I mean, there, there's a couple of... The party scene drags a tiny little bit, and it's right at the beginning of the film when I wanted to be right thrusted into to what was going on, and it didn't quite do that. I mean, this is all very nitpicky because this is almost almost a flawless film. This is a 99% amazing film. So I never want it said that I dislike this in any way but I'm being ultra critical which I tend to do and when it when it comes to a 10 I can't be ultra critical and I can't uh, and I, and I can be ultra critical with this the only other bit was there was a scene earlier on when Carrie is in his boss's office and they're waiting for her to arrive to to go through all this with her and You've got this this weird dialogue between blokes in a room, and you could have just set it up by saying, "Oh, well, she's a a woman of spurious nature," and it's sort of like, "Oh, and by the way, that's something I didn't mention was was that in the uh, I was reading today was that in the original story she was supposed to be a working girl, and thankfully they changed that, so I'm very glad they did because that would not have fit the story at all if she was, mm. you know, Julia Roberts, you know. So it was, you know, that's that's good thing but um yeah and that and that that scene just kind of just sort of dragged a little bit they could have hurried that along but i mean i mean literally shave three four minutes off the runtime for that just edit it down a little bit more and it would have been a surefire 10 but that as i say that's me being ultra critical because it is stupendous and and we didn't mention the score the score by the way is oh it's outstandingly good it's it's subtle when it needs to be. It's bombastic when it needs to be. And oh my word, it just works. It works perfectly for this film. Yeah, this is. I I, I refrained from it at the beginning because I wasn't quite sure. But if I'm thinking about it, you know, sort of Rear Window and and Psycho and the Birds and and yeah, top five. Yeah, this is a top five Hitchcock. It's it's stupendously good. Cool. Just out of interest, which Hitchcocks would you rate a ten then? Or just give me one that you would rate a ten. Rear Window. Okay. Cool. It's it's my favorite Hitchcock because there is nothing about it I would change. Mm. It's yeah, it's it's utterly utterly perfect. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't sing its praises high enough. I don't think we'll ever do it on this show because I don't think there's anything more we can say that hasn't been said about well, <laughs> about. Real also, Windows. as well, this this is supposed to be me telling you about films that you haven't seen. And, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and yeah. we will come. And to I think that I think you'll. Oh, Faye with that. Um, I am. I am. I know that film off by heart. So yeah, we we won't be we won't be touching that anytime. So uh, just to say with uh, with Harvey as well, we won't be touching that either. So yeah, no, um, you are. I mean, you know more about Harvey than I do. I do. I know. I know. It's it's one of those weird things when you sort of grab hold of something and you you just you love it uh, beyond belief. And uh, yeah, but we won't go there. Uh, anyway, so that was Notorious, and what a mm. amazing film it is. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. yeah, it's a glory. It is. It is. However, we are returning back to the the good old days, if you will, of me surprising you <laughs> with a with a genre, and you have to. Yeah, that was a good surprise look. Thank you. Um, to, uh, surprising you with a genre, and you have to pluck one out of the air for us. Go on then. 
Okay. So this isn't a genre as such, because it could, I honestly don't know where you could go with this. But musical? obviously, uh, sorry? <laughs> a musical? No, no, we did Footlight Parade. We're good for another five years. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I blame Nick for that one. Thank you, Nick. So we, um, obviously we watched this and obviously we're talking about Hitchcock and that got me thinking and then it got me thinking about Hitchcock movies and uh, then I got thinking about Psycho. And then you mentioned obviously Fritz Lang or we both did and we, you know, you think about M and I'm thinking what, I mean, pre-code or during the code, there must have been other films about serial killers. And how Mm. do you get away with that either pre-code or during the code? So I would kind of like a film that about a serial killer that I may not have heard of. If you can think of anything, putting you on the spot as always, but this is part of the fun. Okay. Um, well, one of my favorite <laughs> films about a serial killer that no one ever really thinks to think of okay. uh, is not a Hollywood film. It's a British film. Ooh, we're going Jack it's the Ripper. Not even, it's not even a comedy, uh, a horror, it's comedy. Ooh, okay. Interesting. It's from Ealing Studios. Okay. Come on. You must know it. An Ealing Studios movie about a killer. Not the lady killers, by the way. I was going to say, the the first thing that's frank to mind (laughs) is the lady killers. And I was like, hang on, they're not serial killers. No, Um, it stars. If you say Alec Guinness, then I'm screwed. (laughs) Um, It's Alec Guinness. uh, Uh, Not the man in the white suit. Uh, Passport to Pimlico. Alec Guinness. Joan Greenwood. Dennis Price. I can't think. It is Kind Hearts and Coronets. Oh! You're going to... Yes. Now, I'm pretty sure you must have seen this before, but there's never a bad time to watch Kind Hearts and Coronets. It's absolute genius. I have, but a very long time ago. Mm. It's... If you give this one the attention it, that you've given every film so far, <laughs> you'll, you'll see that this, this thing is just the most warped, hilarious, evil, but sadistically funny masterpiece ever you'll love it i i can't <laughs> wait i i as i said yeah haven't seen that in a very long time so i'm really looking forward to seeing that again but that's a you fantastic a choice film as well <laughs> yeah. well yes that's true well yeah i just suddenly thought yeah serial killers that was a that was a good idea mm, that's good mm. shout yeah i've done the yeah. leopard man and we didn't yeah. want to do shadow of a doubt because that's another hitchcock mm-hmm. yeah Kind Hearts and Coronets. I can't wait to watch that film again because I've just bought a lovely 4K. Oh, in fact, I didn't buy it. Someone sent it to me. My friend Lee sent it to me. It's a oh. beautiful new uh, 4K edition of Kind Hearts and Coronets. So. Wow. Okay. We will say thank you to Lee then as well. Thank you, Lee. Yes. I'm going to write that one up. Yes. Adam will put that in the post to me and I'll never return it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, this has been wonderful. This has been great to be back. Yeah. yeah. I, I really think we need to do this more often because it's such a lovely way to spend a Saturday afternoon chin-wagging with your mate mm. about a fantastic film and drinking beer. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's okay. the Jubilee weekend. And we, <sighs> I'm, I'm all I'm all abbed out, and I've got yep. an abba coat for nothing. So, uh, <laughs> yep, loving life. <laughs> and I'm loving life more because I've spent the day with you. Oh. What a beautiful oh. man you are. We- well, thank you, sir. And right back at you, you're sexy as f- And you also have to remember is that, uh, well, you you don't have to remember, but we also will point out to the, to the listeners is that um, we're literally going to hang up this call and then we're off to record Hammer as well. So <laughs> for like two hours, <laughs> it's been a, it's going to be very hard on the old liver. It really is. 
<laughs> it really is, yeah. We're, the, no rest for the wicked, or no rest for the liver, I should say. But yeah. <laughs> oh, but this has been absolutely wonderful, my friend. And thank you again to Camille too, for mate. suggesting uh, this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, and we will be back very soon. So, my very, very good friend, all the best. Lights In there, carry. That's the carry crap he wants. About time. <laughs> God, carry. You carry her. <laughs> He's literally carrying. Carry. Carry Ingrid. <laughs>